Brought to you by the Harvest Students. This is the Culture and Clarity Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Culture and Clarity Podcast. Um, this is part two of our conversation about friendships. So just a, just a forewarning, if you haven't listened to the part one of this podcast, um, go ahead and do that right now. Um, it should be available wherever you're listening to this podcast. And so go listen to that one before you jump into this one, because um, this is just a continuation of our conversation about friendships. All right, you guys. So continuing our conversation, how do we handle conflict in friendships, both unhealthy and healthy? Well, I did kind of touch on this a little bit in part one about something kind of uh, very practical that I do if I feel as if um, something is off in the friendship or if I'm having to, if it's taken a lot of my thinking time throughout the day, it's probably worthy that God's pressing on me to say something in this friendship or any kind of conflict uh, situation. Um, and Blake, you've said like it does matter big time if it's a non-believer or a believer, like all of those things definitely play into a role um, in how you kind of go about talking to the person. But something I do is just write it out. Um, completely on paper from looking at it um, and seeing, okay, could, could this possibly come across as if I'm attacking them? Um, because defensiveness and all of those things can come into play whenever you're handling any kind of hard conversation. Marriage has taught me a lot about that. Mm. Um, but man, friendships that are truly good God-honoring friendships, um, both being believers, uh, to handle conflict properly is to first and foremost just pray. Like pray, write it out is something I do. Um, and then go th- go to that person one-on-one in love. Something we've said before is uh, to publicly praise and privately correct. Uh, mm-hmm. So even if this is stirring in you throughout the day, not to bring hate towards this person's name and speak negatively of them, um, but really be able to go to them privately and just be able to talk out, um, maybe even read it to them, just saying, hey, no one else knows about this. Um, these are some things I've seen and, you know, I love you too much or, hey, I realized that I did this and I need uh, your forgiveness. You know, it goes both ways, but it's basically addressing whatever issue it is one-on-one, um, and then Matthew 18 talks about, you know, what to take the next steps forward. If, you know, it still is not fully resolved, then you bring somebody else who's maybe further along in their faith, a little older, who you can bring in as just like um, spiritual guidance to help bring some peace um, to this situation, what yep. I would say. Yeah, there's, like you said, Katie, there's a lot of different layers to this, and I think the the best starting point is what you say, you know, of have the conversations, you know, like uh, they may be hard. And that's what, you know, culture tells us like, ooh, conflict, like, ooh, hard conversations, like run away from that, like get away from that. Uh, Just be like, no, it's all good. Like everything's fine. And in reality, like you're probably going to be dwelling on it for the next day or week or month or whatever that is. And that's typically how bitterness stores up. And so it's a good, healthy thing to have hard conversations, to deal with conflict and to deal with it well. And so there's there's a lot of different ways to go about that. Katie, you mentioned Matthew... uh, 18, 15 through 17, and uh, I'll just read it for you guys. 
uh, this is talking more about like with a Christian brother or sister, like if it, y'all are dealing with kind of like a sinful conflict, like, Hey Grant, I noticed you were doing this is kind of sinful. Like this, is how I want to handle it with you. Like, Hey Katie, I noticed this was kind of out of step with the gospel or the word of God. Like th- these are these kind of moments or whatever. And it says this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their flaw, their, their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And so once again, like the Bible outlines this for us, like this isn't stuff we just kind of made up and we're like, this, this is good to do. Like the word of God has given us a great, uh, just outline for how to handle these things. So in a, uh, with a Christian brother or sister, uh, when you're dealing with something that, that is, uh, a sinful struggle, like, uh, it, it breaks it down for us that we can bring it up just between the two of us that we don't need to have a lot of people around. You don't need to call them out in the crowd and be like, Hey, I'm sick and tired of this and try to embarrass them, but instead bring them aside, just you two and be like, Hey, this is something I've noticed. This is what I feel like the word of God says about it. Like, help me understand this. Like, are you struggling or do you not understand this? Or am I misunderstanding this? Like, don't go into it pridefully, you know, have a conversation about it. Don't assume that you know everything that is going on. But if it is indeed, you know, a sin that they uh, respond to, it says you have won them over. But if it says they they decide they want to continue in that, it says bring her two two or three others with you so that you can see like, hey, I'm not the only one seeing this. Like, uh, I feel like this is out of step with what the Lord calls us to. And then it says, if that still doesn't work, to bring in a church leader of some kind, to bring the church in Mm -hmm. uh, to give even more authority, even more uh, kind of validation to like, hey, let's run after the things of God together. And then it says essentially at the end there to treat them as you would a, a pagan or tax collector, which essentially means like, hey, maybe it's time to treat them as if like they're not a Christian, essentially, uh, until they're, uh, you know, ready to kind of repent and uh, walk in step with the word of God and the gospel. And like those are a lot of good steps to help. Like hopefully it never gets to that last step. Hopefully there's repentance and uh, winning over there and joy there. And at the end there, it's not saying like, hey, we, we hate that person now. You know, like the call still remains the same of if it's your neighbor, if it's your enemy, if it's a Christian and non-Christian to love and serve and care for that person. Uh, but maybe they're just not responding to the call outs of, of, uh, you know, biblical wisdom and the word of God, uh, like you would a non-Christian, you know? So conflict with a non-Christian is very different because, obviously they're not going to respond to the value and the weight and the authority that the word of God has, uh, that the church has. And so that looks very differently. And so for me, I mean, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. It's, uh, it's more about how to get them to see that while still not just letting them walk over you. It's really an opportunity to kind of preach the gospel of like, Hey, I'm struggling with this with you. And this is why I see the these things the way I do, because I believe in God, the Bible, and uh, that Jesus is my savior. And he's outlined some of these things uh, for me to live my life by. And you're, you're kind of causing some conflict for me in that and trying to help them understand that uh, while understanding that they might not jump on board with that. And so finding a way to find that balance and also uh, not letting them simply 
you know, kind of walk all over you, but still uh, loving and serving and caring for them, you know, loving your enemies uh, and loving your friends, you know, whatever that looks like. But communicating your feelings, I think, is a big one of like, hey, when you did that, it made me feel like this. Mm-hmm. And I've yeah. learned that a lot in marriage. Like my, our premarital counselor shout out uh, helped us massively with this idea of not just communicating facts and opinions like I didn't like that you did that or you did this like but communicating our feelings behind it like hey you did that and it made me feel this way and they they can hear that and maybe they don't even change their actions mm-hmm. but being heard and listened to by somebody has a way of even changing the situation of uh like Grant, I didn't like the way you spoke into your podcast, Mike. Like, obviously, that's not a real conversation we're having. <laughs> but, I, hey, because it made me feel, you know, a little bit condescended or something. Like, mm-hmm. that may not change anything. Grant might still speak into his podcast, Mike, like he's doing. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Grant has now heard me and understood me and listened to me. And we can kind of move forward in our relationship just because we communicated with each other. We communicated our feelings to each other. Mm-hmm. And now we can have a conversation about it. That Grant can come back to me and say, like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to do this, but uh, this was what I was trying to communicate. Just having really honest, open conversation, which feels really weird and wonky and like uh, uh, formulaic at first, but it is so helpful in relationships to communicate in that way. So, sorry, that was a little long-winded, but how to handle conflict in relationships goes no, to good. all sorts of different realms. So I'd be, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on some of those things. I would just say, man, it's just so messy. Like, think if we can take the pressure off of knowing like no one sits us down early on and says hey this is how you handle conflict mm-hmm. we need to take conflict classes in high school I think that, <laughs> that would our be world amazing. would be a lot better <laughs> how That'd to be awesome. handle it um and even like with what you said talking to a non-believer is knowing that we have a voice like no matter what if this person is older than you younger than you um like to have your voice is is so powerful and it's in a place of love knowing we're not held responsible for how they are going to respond there's been many times people have approached me who have just been very loving said hey this is something i've seen in your life and it hurts it stings a little bit but just a few days i circle back around them i'm like you're so right you know it may take some time and if we come in a humble loving prayerful approach um, that prepares the person to not be so defensive and to be a little more open to kind of hear what you have to say. Yeah, that's really good. And, and I, I love that you brought up communication, Blake. I think that's really the key for any kind of relationship is just being willing to communicate and being very transparent about what's going on in your heart. And because, um, I mean, a lot of the time, like, the person might not even realize their actions are hurting are hurting you and so no. you know like as you mentioned the silly example but the truth of say that i am talking in the mic a certain way and that is hurting your feelings you know and you've expressed that to me then it's you know my call as a believer to okay now how do i prayerfully uh, respond to you with empathy mm-hmm. and um, see where you're coming from and that might uh, cause me to realize oh wow like the way that i'm doing this thing is not only hurting Blake, but might be hurting somebody else in my life that I'm not realizing right. it. And so um, just to be willing to take comments like that and to, uh, as, as yourself, to also realize, okay, um, what are ways that I can be empathize, empathizing with other people as well? So I think communication is, is really key mm-hmm. in those ways. So we've talked about um, in the first uh, part of this podcast, you know, way, uh, the importance of being fully, um, fully known and fully loved, right, in relationships. So 
but when it comes to friendships, what are what are some healthy boundaries to set up um, with with your friends, um, and then how how do we set those up? Hmm. What are y'all's thoughts? Uh, man, I have a lot of thoughts. Boundaries, it's it's so simple, just not easy. Take and us I'm, home, Katie. Yeah, Lead us to the boundaries route. <laughs> I'm constantly learning. There's a book on boundaries, which is great, and there's many different parts to that. Um, Parts of that book that the author continues to write about boundaries in marriage, relationships, friendships. It's a great read if you... Henry Cloud is the author. Um, it's called Boundaries, right? Like that's it is. The title. Yeah. It's yeah. a great creative now you're talking book. About. Um, boundaries is something like... And I even look in scripture and see the way that God is a God of order and design. And with boundaries, you can flourish in healthy relationships. Because if you don't know your own boundaries and really have those in mind for yourself, um, you are, it's just a matter of time till you kind of find yourself in just unhealthy relationships. Um, the way we say things, how we act around people, um, all of those things, you, it's good to understand what's healthy and what's not. And when somebody kind of steps across those boundaries, um, whatever that can look like, that's a conversation to be had. And I think it goes back to what you said Blake about voicing how you feel um, because no one can tell you that your emotions are wrong like if I say hey you know when you did this um, it made me angry um, that's different than saying hey you did this and you did this and you hurt me no I didn't I didn't mean to hurt you but rather than saying hey it made me you know it made me feel sad mm -hmm. you can't <laughs> tell someone their emotions are you know like emotions are what you feel um, and they're really messengers to our soul they're trying to tell us something so it, the more we can use that vocabulary when we talk to other people especially setting up boundaries um, it's healthy for both people too because without boundaries you'll I mean you can wander just like with anything with a fence like that's what separates the neighbor from the other person you know like um, just being able to have boundaries is so important and anybody ever figures it out please come tell me <laughs> everything about it because boundaries are just being a student of yourself read a lot like there's so much out there um and counseling has really taught me a lot christian good solid christian counseling has been amazing to help me and james understand because we love each other better when we understand each other's boundaries oh no i, I love what you said there um because i think it's you know super necessary to set up good boundaries and uh and all of those things and it's like how do we how do we do that though and i love what you said about uh you know the feelings and uh just to elaborate on that point a little bit it, it made me pop into my mind that basically what you were saying was that feelings should always be validated right like you can't tell me like oh don't feel that way like that's stupid like I'm already feeling that, so like, well, you can't do that to me yeah. now. However, to be very clear, like that doesn't mean our feelings are always what's true. Like our feelings are fickle, and sometimes our feelings can lead us astray because we we have maybe a misplaced identity. And so, in boundaries, you know, like if my identity is in a friendship and they're not spending enough time with me, you know, I start to feel sad. I start to feel sad about that. And so let's say, you know, let's say it's Grant. Like, Grant, I'm sad that you haven't been spending enough time with me. Like, Grant can validate my feelings and be like, 
Like, I'm sorry that you're sad. I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. But he doesn't have to allow my feelings to be truth. Uh, you know, he can, as a good Christian brother of mine, he can challenge my feelings, be like, hey, why, why are you feeling that, though? Like, I get that you're feeling that, but what do you think is causing those feelings? Like, do you have a little bit too much stock in my affirmation and my approval in our friendship? And as my brother, he can help me realize that of like, wow, that is why I'm feeling that. Like, I need to find more of my affirmation and approval in the Lord because, like, he's the only one who can fully satisfy me and fulfill me. And, like, I don't need Grant uh, in that way, but I'm thankful that we're able to have a conversation about it to communicate our feelings and validate those feelings, but yet still challenge and sharpen and love and serve one another in that. I think that's, that's just a really hard balance like it's great in a box example that isn't real uh, right here in this podcast, but in real life, that's really hard to juggle. Like, you know, where, where are the moments I need to validate? Where are the moments that I need to sit with somebody and what they're going through? And where are the moments where I need to uh, kind of challenge and ask questions and uh, try to get a window into their heart of why they're feeling these things? And I think all of those things are important. And uh, in setting up boundaries, which is what we, you know, started talking about, I think it's I think it's important to communicate, you know, just simple boundaries. Like, for example, uh, something I can I can think of is when someone starts speaking like in just a very unkind way to you, like it's okay to set up a boundary with that of like, hey. I love you. You are my friend. I want to continue to love and serve you. But like, if you're going to speak to me in that way, like we're going to start spending like less time with each other. Like we're going to speak to each other less. And like, that's not because I love you less. That's not because I don't, I don't like you, but like, uh, I also have to set up boundaries that like promote, uh, you know, healthy growing relationships and whatnot. So if you ever want to talk about those things, let me know, but just know that like, I, I, we can't speak to each other in such a way. And so that that's a small example, but I think you can do that in other situations as as well of like, hey, this is just a boundary I have to set up and help communicate to them that like, that doesn't mean you love them less. I think boundaries have the tendency mm-hmm. to express like, oh, you don't like me. You don't want to be around me. You don't, you don't want this. And it's like, no, I love you as a person, but there's some unhealthy things going on that we need to start to change and uh, do differently to help our relationship in the long run. Yeah, that's good. Katie, you mentioned in the first part of our conversation, you, you touched on codependency a little bit. I think that's something very important to realize is that in relationships and friendships, especially, you, you find a lot of times it's it's um, easy to fall into this trap of being dependent upon the other person and, and um, you know, and, and, and vice versa, someone being dependent upon you. And, you know, you know it, in those happy up, you know, mountaintop times of our life, it's, it's easy for us to um, not realize that we're finding satisfaction in other people and, and, and even our friends. And, and sometimes it's hard to see that they're finding, uh, it's probably even harder to see that they're finding satisfaction in you. And then in those times sure. where you really dip low um, is, it, is when it comes very apparent that either one of you are, are seeking satisfaction and, and fulfillment in the other person. Yep. And that's when it, you know, that's a really important boundary to set up is just to always be cautious and always just to be checking those um 
your intentions and motivations and, and, and just in, in open communication, their motiv- uh, motivations and, and um, intentions of, your, of their friendship with you of realizing like, okay, are we approaching this friendship with just a give and take, like we've been talking this entire conversation, but, uh, or are we approaching it in a loving uh, Christ-like way? And that's where codependency really will uh, become an issue if you, if you can't realize it's there. What, what, are y'all, what are y'all's thoughts on codependency? And codependency is one of those other just difficult words such as boundaries. It's a lifelong journey of exploring and learning, and it's so worth it because on the other side of learning about codependency and boundaries um, is so much sweeter than just coasting through life um, and just saying, I'm going to just push all that aside and not put in the hard work to learn and to have a voice in your friendships. Um, But we've said this before, and I've heard it said that when you live for someone's approval, you'll die from their rejection. Mm-hmm. And it goes along with what you said, Grant, of checking yourself to to really have this. For me, I, I tend to have a huge tendency to people please. And I have to check myself like, okay, like what's my motives behind why I'm doing this or why I'm wanting to get close to this person. Um, and the closest friends you have here or there, you're going to touch on codependency because it's our human nature. Um, and the more that you can kind of recognize when you're doing it or if they're doing it and kind of start to pull back, um, too much of anything sometimes can, can lend itself to be unhealthy. I remember one specific um, relationship in, in high school with a good friend of mine. We started, graduated, and then started going to a junior college together just having tons of time my friend would stay over uh I stay with my parents she would come and just stay over so much and like I just realized it was too much time together um and being able to navigate that and realize like okay maybe we're getting too close and finding life through each other um and my mom even pointed out and voices around you will be able to point stuff out and to always take good solid godly wisdom into account when people want to speak into stuff um, and I just had a conversation with my friend. It was not easy, and there's no formula to it. I was, I think I was like 18, and I just said, hey, I think we're spending too much time together, and I don't know if you get a sense of that, like I enjoy hanging out with you, but maybe just some time apart, and she took it personal, but later on, a couple of days, she was like, you know what, you're right, mm-hmm. um, and I, it was hard because there was this vulnerability of she may think that, like, I don't want to be friends with her. But what it is is when you're spending day in and day out with somebody, it lends itself to codependency. Um, And that was a hard conversation, but it taught me a lot. Relationships really can teach you a lot whenever you can navigate, okay, this is too dependent, and I set up a boundary. Um, And it's it's vulnerability, it's hard, it's messy, but it's so worth it on the other side um, for both ends of Mm -hmm. the friendship. So so to that, Katie, you know, having a, a really awesome, you know, deeply rooted friend like that and I want to hear your thoughts on this too Blake and you know you mentioned some friends that you've had for a while um, some really good best friends Um, with that comes you know this kind of layer of trust that you build with with that best friend how important is trust would you guys say oh man trust trust is everything everything (laughs) I was gonna say everything but I liked Katie's everything better so that's what that's the answer we're gonna go with um (laughs) but I mean that's that's just so true like trust is everything and the Katie you said this uh at some point talking about 
how you kind of, you have to be that friend if you want that friend in return. And this is the hard part about trust is that it, it takes a little bit of practice. It takes a little bit of a leap of faith on the front end. Like for example, my, my best friend, uh, in the entire world, Nick, uh, person I trust more than anybody, uh, outside of my wife, Catherine, uh, like we didn't just build that trust in a day, you know, there, there was a day, you know, probably three or four years ago where I was really struggling with something. And I was like, I don't know who to talk to about it. And me and Nick had developed quite a friendship up to that point. You know, I had trust in much smaller areas, but it's like, is, is he worthy of trust in this area? It's like, I don't really know, but I knew I wanted that type of vulnerable, fully known, fully loved friendship. And so I decided, you know, to go for, it. I'm going to, uh, tell this to him and uh you know he met me right there with the trust required in that moment from that you only build on that trust over time and yeah. so uh my my first encouragement would be is like hey try to trust a good christian trustworthy friend you know and i know you won't fully know that on the front end but you know someone you've been doing life with someone who uh is striving after Christ, uh, striving after the things you're striving after, like try to trust them with something like that and build that trust over time. And it, it will grow because trust is so important. Like you can't walk through something super hard with somebody or, uh, have some of those really hard conversations with your closest friend, unless there's a ton of trust there. And like, we see that all over scripture. Like that's what Jesus points to all the time. He's like, man, if you guys trusted me, if you guys had faith in me, like y'all, y'all would, y'all would follow me. Y'all would do what, uh, what I say. And he like builds that into the core of his relationship with his disciples. And, uh, it's just so true that we, we must trust those that we're that close with. And like trust with God is different than trust with our friends, obviously, because God is perfect and all knowing and truly knows what's best for us at all times. But, uh, there's still a layer of trust with our friendships that is super important if we're going to strive after a relationship that is fully known and fully loved. Mm, I love that. The more I've grown in my relationship with the Lord, the more that word has stuck out to me and started to really mean a lot, just the weightiness. And it's it's rare to find people who you can trust. And another way to say it is just safe people. Mm-hmm. Um, the more that I've gotten just healthier emotionally, spiritually, and physically, the more I've realized uh, a lot of my life has been just to promote, like, every day is good. Like, I'm old, I don't have a bad day. And that's exhausting, and I t- had a tendency to attract those type of people, too, and there's no depth to those friendships. And now um, I'm not as likely to trust people who come across as if they'd never have a bad day. Um, and that just says more about me, and it's just what God's revealed to me, like, I trust people who know pain. I, that's just speaking from my own experience. Like, I, they're safe for me. I can share this. This isn't going to make them run for the hills. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to sit with me in it. Um, and it's not until these past three years, really, I've learned what safe people are. Um, and that's not everyone. And it takes time. Uh, trust is earned. Respect is something you give to everybody because everyone's made in the image of God. Um, but trust is not something you don't just go over share with the person at Walmart, you know, like um, no. it, it takes it takes time. And I think that's good and that's healthy. Um, and it goes both ways with it, too. You know, like if your uh, your friendships are only like you sharing, um, 
it, it's hard to trust that also like there'll be transparent. There's different levels to friendships and stuff, mentors and friends um, and all of those different things play into different roles. Um, but finding a few friends that you can trust is very rare and, it, and it's something you shouldn't force. And uh, I believe you have to be that friend mm-hmm. first wholeheartedly to be a safe person that I'm going to sit in this with you. I'm not going to try to fix you. Um, I'm going to sit in pain with you. And, and Jesus is a safe person. He's a great model for that of what it means to be safe and to trust people. Yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, just a quick practical that uh, kind of reminds me, I don't know if we talked about this in our dating podcast or if I was just talking about this with a student, uh, but you know, we brought up the idea of Uh, or maybe we were just talking about this in conversation, Katie, of like, you know, how do I trust someone, you know, to be in a dating relationship? We talked about kind of this concept of like, you know, no one's perfect. So everyone's an imperfect sinner. Like how, how do we know like who to date and who to go about that? And we talked about this idea of, you know, I would trust someone a lot more if they have a circle of friends or a mentor in their life that they're fully known by and walking through things with. That's and good. I think that's the same thing Preach. here. That's really good. Of That's just like a good practical mm-hmm. to have that. Like if, if I know that you, Katie, have someone that you walk through you know, the hard stuff of life with, you know, every day isn't great, but you're walking through that with somebody like I'm more prone to trust you. And like in the same way, if Grant has someone, he's walking through everything with fully known by like, that is a more trustworthy person to me. And so I would say, just try to find those people and try to foster that ourselves. Cause, uh, the reality is I wasn't there in high school and middle school. Like I imagine most of you guys maybe don't have those sort of relent relationships or friendships or mentors yet but go try and find one you know uh go ask around and say like hey would y'all be interested in like fostering these type of friendships together and then mm-hmm. start working on that together or with a mentor as well and i think that would be awesome gosh that's good yeah that's really good that's that's one thing to carry you know that's going to be really important blake for for those in friendships now but eventually you know walking into marriage the importance of knowing that the person you're you know, in a relationship with, then engaged to, then married, like, has someone that they, you know, you know for me, if, if I knew, you know, my wife, Ashley, and since I knew that going through um, our relationship engagement, she had people to talk to. She wasn't only relying on me to yeah. talk to her, her issues and what she was going through. Like, that just made me uh, just, so, uh, there's a lot more peace that comes with that and that relationship of knowing, okay, I'm not being the person, like we talked about codependency, I'm not being the one person that's satisfying her but it's, it's, she has these people in her life. So, you know, and that, that's a conversation for dating, but, but ultimately, you know, it's important to know for friendships, like cool. once you kind of build that, that mentality of realizing, okay, I need to find people who are being open and transparent with other people to, tr- to be, to trust and to be uh, transparent with, like that will, that will prepare you for marriage and, and rest of uh, and the rest of your life. So that's really good. And just one last thing I'll say to that, Grant, that is so good. Goodness, that is rich um, to just be said and to hear and uh, the fact of knowing that, you know, Ashley has her group of core people who she can share some, man, some tough stuff with. It takes the burden off you Mm. of having to meet all of those needs, knowing, okay, she has support like outside of me. How yeah. freeing that is that you don't have to carry the weight of that. And that is huge in friendships, knowing you don't have to be needed by this person 24-7. It's good to have support, um, not just from one person. It takes pressure off of having to be everything to this person, which only God can do. Yeah, 
That's really good. Um, all right, guys, I have a last question for you, for you for us to kind of um, to kick around. But when we talk about having friendships and ultimately our heart and motivations, like you talked about this a little bit in, in the first part of our conversation, but um, how do we handle expectations, both our own expectations, but also, you know, of our friends, of, of the other person in the relationship? How do we handle expectations? Man, expectations are just, uh, I learned this in a lot of premarital marriage counseling, but pretty much most conflicts and, you know, most relationships, the breakdown is either expectations or communication, and they really go hand in hand. And so it's obviously a little bit different in friendships, but I think the concepts are still very valuable and very healthy of uh, first, uh, Grant, you've been mentioning a lot uh, this podcast of just kind of like self-checking yourself, of kind of working through your motivations and work through like your expectations of like, what am I expecting from this friend? Like what, uh, not, not so much like, what am I trying to get out of them? But what do I expect from them? Like, is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Um, and kind of working through those things on, on your own. And then, uh, you know, when those things, maybe there's a breakdown or uh, in some realm of a friendship and like communicating that so expectations and communication so you know if a if a friend bails on you for plans y'all had and you're like you're a little hurt by it and you're like wow I expected you to follow through on that like communicate that expectation to them and like th that may feel a little weird and wonky because that's not how everyone does it but I think it's super healthy and helpful to be like hey that kind of hurt my feelings like I expected you to follow through on uh, our plans and like it, it's all good like there's forgiveness there uh, we can walk through this together but you know just communicating that and uh, having your friend maybe apologize or maybe say hey I'm so sorry like this is what was going on like that opens up all sorts of interesting possibilities for good uh healthy friendship conversations to have rather than just letting bitterness store up in that mm, that's good I like that example too of you have this expectation for a friend to follow through which is a healthy expectation yeah like expectations are not bad but they can they become unhealthy um when they're um just truly expectations that are not um, built around what God designs for a friendship, like expectations for people to respect you and to, um, man, not, you know, tear you down, like to voice those things. It kind of right. even plays into boundaries. Um, but expectations are good and healthy, but whenever they're unrealistic, that's whenever it's, it can start to really let you down. Whenever you have expectations so high for people to meet that, once again, only God can. Because I've heard a lot of people say before, you know, I, I hold high expectations for um, people to just respect me. That's great, but they're humans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they're going, people are going to fail us. So when we raise the bar so high that no one can meet, especially in marriage, but I know we're talking about friendships, but I keep thinking of marriage because that's obviously such a close friendship. Um, no human on the planet can meet those standards. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's healthy to be able to have healthy expectations and voice them, but also knowing God is the only one who can truly meet all of your needs is the verse you've been always saying, Blake, that um, God deeply desires to meet all of our needs. But um, yeah, expectations are good and healthy, but they become unhealthy whenever we're raising the bar for humans to meet only what God can. Yeah, that's awesome, Katie. Well, thank you both for joining me in this conversation. I know there's um, a lot to cover about friendships and um, I'm really glad of what we were able to turn up. It's, this is awesome. Um, a couple of key, key takeaways, students. Um, 
One kind of mainly being that, you know, friendships are really good and they can be really healthy. But, and the reality is that no human, as Katie just mentioned, can fully satisfy you, right? You can only be fully satisfied in Christ. So you need to check your motivations. This is uh, Blake's uh, famous quote, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, I of, it up myself. Of just realizing, you, you know, you need to have that um, daily, you know, why am I having this friendship? Is this for this reason or this reason? And just realize that it's fruitful and it's designed for good, um, but ultimately find that, uh, that true identity and, and um, that full satisfaction in the Lord yeah, what's up? I was just going to say, you know, one one more verse, uh, you know, to kind of leave you guys with, you know, we've talked about a ton of things in friendship, but, you know, if you're like, if you want to be a good friend, like, look to Jesus' example. Like, he is the ultimate friend, and we see this in John fifteen thirteen that greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Mm. And uh, mm. Grant, you were just talking about this and bouncing off of Katie talking about this, that, you know, no human can be a perfect friend. And so, you know, we can't perfectly be the friend that Jesus is, but we can start to follow his example and walk after that because he truly is the perfect friend. And it says that he shows that how he lays down his life for us as his mm. friends and really for all people as his friend, because we were all sinners and separated from him and yet he still died for us yeah. and brought us into that friendship and relationship with him so uh just wanted to throw that out yeah. there before we uh dip on out of here thanks that's rich man um yeah and lastly you know prayer is powerful don't forget that and Come on. especially in conflict and in times where you you know your heart is causing you or even somebody else's heart is is negatively affecting your relationship prayer is powerful so um always keep um keep the lord very, very close and in, in, in the middle of those relationships. But but awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, and thank you for listening. Um, we hope to catch you next time. My name is Grant Leslie. I'm Katie Johnson. And I'm Blake Brinkman. And this has been the Culture and Clarity Podcast. See you all next time.